So today we're here at the Blooming is a Habit podcast. This will be our first audio and video episode. Thank you so much for being here, Ashley. Ashley is, of course, Ashley is amazing, an amazing educator and Baltimore City Public Schools. And I just wanted to have her on because she's also a parent and I think she provides an amazing perspective on what it takes to thrive and to work with uh, to work with educators um, who are a large part of our audience, but also um, what's, how it feels to work with children and to um, kind of balance that space of making really strong bonds between parents and students while also connecting to a large classroom. And I think you have a lot to share about ways, strategies that parents can use at home, but also mm-hmm. t- how teachers can help their students through remote learning. And um, yeah, so I just want to give you a chance to introduce yourself. So Ashley, who are you and what's your calling? Hey, Stephanie. Um, Hi. Stephanie said my name is Ashley. I currently teach first grade in Baltimore City um, and on like the west side of the city, which is pretty much the area. Well, it is the area that I've always taught in. Um, I also teach a course at Towson University yes. in the elementary education department, which kind of discusses issues that affect urban education and kind of how that plays out in the classroom, how larger issues like happening in the world yes. even still affect kids in the classroom. Basically, that's what our course is about. Um, I had I've had two kids, Mariah, who is nine, and Robert, who is seven. They're amazing. <laughs> that's me. thank you so much no it's really exciting and we're going to delve into um the things that you've been teaching in your course at Towson and how your experience teaching in Baltimore City Public Schools has informed it and also um just what experience your students are having because some of them want to be educators some of them will uh, ultimately work with children and um you're helping to shape their minds so that they can be the best people that they can be no matter what field they enter um but my first question for you is what challenges uh, do students, educators, administrators, parents, guardians, what challenges did they face before COVID-19? And what challenges do you see them facing now? Okay, so first, I guess I just want to preface it by saying, like, everybody's not the same. So of I course. think some of yeah. the challenges that I see in general, I'll discuss, but that does not necessarily mean that it's everyone mm-hmm. who attends a school like mine. You know, it's not the, everyone's challenge. Definitely. Um, but I think there are lots of challenges that that come to mind when I think about the population that I teach. Um, hmm. I guess one of the things that I think of first is just like access to opportunity beyond what the school building and neighborhood has to offer. Mm-hmm. A lot of kids kind of just stay in that area where the school is and they may not be exposed to a lot of things beyond that area so Mm -hmm. unless the school building is offering the opportunities then they might not necessarily have them whether that be like you know opportunities to travel other places within our own city like the aquarium or the science center Mm -hmm. just to explore what else baltimore has to offer other than what's in their neighborhood a lot of the communities where um we teach or specifically the community where i teach in the past has been a food desert like there is a a supermarket there now um and there's like a family dollar across the street from my school now but you know like the food there is frozen or processed it's not like you're getting fresh fruits and vegetables there so i think that can be a big challenge 
if you don't have the transportation to get to the grocery store, you probably will just go for what's convenient and right, you know, easily in walking distance, which is family dollar. Right. Um, Definitely. What other challenges do we face? I mean, I think there's a lot of trauma in our community that may not be processed or, or healed. And then it just gets passed along to the kids. So the kids um, that manifest in different ways in the classroom, like with behavior or with just lack of motivation or maybe a parent's frustration with the situation that the child may be in academically and lack of motivation to help them. Um, so yeah, prior to the pandemic, I think those were some of the big challenges within mm-hmm. my own classroom. Definitely. Thank you so much for sharing. And I think, thank you for um, prefacing it with the fact that, yes, I agree with you 100%. That's not everybody's experience. And I think that's important, especially for policymakers um, to realize, like, yeah, well, for not just even policymakers, but everyone, that this is not one, a one single story. This is, these are some of the things that students are experiencing. Nonetheless, they will affect the school community because, you know, um, they are the ones that, they are the things that show themselves more. Um, What challenges, you know what, I'm going to switch it up for a second because so often we don't talk about this part and I don't want to be that person. What was going well before COVID-19? I think within my classroom, I have 27 students this year and I think that in spite of the challenges, like they learned new information every day. Like (laughs) I could tell that they were learning and they were growing and their writing was better than it was. And, you know, at the beginning of the year and their vocabulary and their ability to articulate their thoughts and their ability to like think critically during math. Like I think in spite of everything that they go through outside of school or even within the classroom, that might be like an adverse experience they still learn like and they yes. still they still apply their learning and i think they still have like hopes and dreams and aspire to do things that um they may not see on a daily basis but you know another thing that that happens in my school i think that's really great for our students is we have like a very extensive field trip program Ooh, so nice when school closed in March, we have probably been on at least one field trip a month from September to March. So that's awesome. They went to, you know, this year we went to the science center. We went to the aquarium, the, uh, you know, farms, museums, like any Mm -hmm. field trip experience that we could offer them. We went to see a play at Goucher college. So just like different things that maybe they would not do in their everyday lives, like Mm -hmm. learning how to behave at the theater and right, you know totally. learning how to behave at a museum and having a tour guide and even getting to make artwork at the Walters after mm-hmm. the tour so they were exposed to a lot of different things prior to the pandemic this school year that's um, awesome. that I think were beneficial experiences definitely that's beautiful I mean it's that that's I'm really glad we talked about this part because yeah. it's easy to focus on just the negative, but there's a lot of positive and thank you all for offering those opportunities to your students. Mm-hmm. Um, do you think that that's the exception and not the rule for most city schools? Um, well, and, I've and, and only so, worked at in? two schools personally. Right. Um, so I can compare those from my own experience but also just beyond like just from having friends who work at other schools and hearing their stories and what they deal with I do think it's the exception unfortunately Mm -hmm. um 
the type of programming that my school offers. Like we're one-to-one technology school. So each kid has their own Chromebook Ooh, or iPad that's awesome. assigned to them. And then even during this pandemic, like the principal delivered Chromebooks to the kids' homes. That's beautiful. Um, so that they can do their work. So I think that that is most likely an exception. I mean, I don't know the facts. Oh, yes, I'll definitely do some research. Yeah, I don't know the facts for every single school, but, you know, I just think we have so much programming, like, in terms of uh, the community. We have a rec center attached to our school as well, so a lot of um, things happen there seven days a week. Mm. So, like, the parents are getting mommy and me classes when they're pregnant, yoga classes, line dance classes. Um, The parents can, like, rent the rec center for their own personal events at, at a discounted price, as opposed to trying to find some other venue. So like if they want to have their own baby shower, they can rent the rec center right in their neighborhood to do so. So, I mean, we have after school programs. So a lot of kids are there from 8.30 in the morning to 6.30 at night. They have breakfast, lunch, dinner, and snack there. Um, Outside, I guess like contractors come in to teach different extracurricular activities like karate, keyboarding violence stuff like that so I think that I think that the school where I am currently is most likely an exception to what may be going on like district-wide right but that's awesome though because it can be a model for Mm -hmm. what can be done and it just shows it can be done and yeah um just kudos to you all your 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 school your team and your principal for making those things happen yeah that's awesome uh, so now that we are quarantined, what are, I'll, I'll leave it like this, what experiences are you having as an educator? What, how has this um, shift affected you and your teaching style? And what do you see your students experiencing? Um, so the, I teach first grade, as I said, the team that I am on, like we're very collaborative. We were prior to the pandemic. So that has kind of just continued. So we still kind of split up the workload and deliver instruction that way. So we started a YouTube channel and then every day we post six videos a day for the six subjects that we would teach during a typical day. So we just divide it up. Like maybe one day I teach a phonics lesson and post it on YouTube. The next day it might be math. So it kind of rotates that way. Nice. So the kids can watch the videos there. We try to make them as interactive as possible. And then there's like an assignment, a short assignment for them to do after the video. And they can just take a picture of it and send it to us that way. Mm-hmm. Um, we've been giving them like points when they submit assignments. And yes. then at the end of the week, we kind of pick like a first place, second place winner and make these like certificates and post them on our class dojo is what we use as like a class website. Right. Um, as a way to try to keep them motivated even though they are not in a typical situation at the moment. And then we Mm -hmm. do also do like live Zoom calls with our class um, and just do some additional instruction that way. So we don't do it for very long because some people, like some parents are working right now. So they may not be home during the day or they're in a grandparent's house while their parents at work. There's like various situations happening. So it's, I know that some schools may be doing like multiple Zoom calls a day, like for each subject, and we're not doing that, but we try to hit as many skills as we can in a quick time while we're on Zoom and just give them a chance to see each other and talk, you know? Yes. Yeah. That's really awesome. And how how long a day do you think you guys are on Zoom? Well, right now, I just do Zoom twice a week 
for like 45 okay. minutes. So nice. That's good. On Mondays and Wednesdays, we get on Zoom at one o'clock and we do like a greeting or like a question of the day so that mm -hmm. each child gets to share and talk. And then I might do like a very quick phonics lesson and a quick math lesson. And then there's a website, I'm not sure if you're familiar with it, called goldnoodle.com. No, but I'm definitely so, gonna look it up though. Yeah, they love that. It's like a, it's a website that has like a lot of dances on it. So like guided mm -hmm. dances, kind of like kids bop, but yeah. there are other kids like dancing and then they stand up and dance along. Oh, I see so, it. Yeah, I, so, I went to the website. Yeah, we Let's... do that on Zoom. Um, nice. And we did it during the school year, like when we were in the classroom. So they have like favorite songs that they already know, that they, that they mm -hmm. request. And I like pull it up and share my screen and then they all stand up and dance to get a little that's movement great. in. So yeah, that's yeah. pretty much what we do on a Zoom call. It goes really quickly. I'm sure. So they, one of my students requested that we do like uh, an additional Zoom call on Fridays that's just like Fine. chill, like not for yeah. academic purposes. So tomorrow I'm going to do my first lunch bunch with Miss Douglas, which is that's just like great. I told them to bring their lunch or bring a snack and we'll just talk. That's a great and, idea. Um, they can put in their requests for what songs they want to dance to, and we'll do that. Yeah. <laughs> That's really awesome. That's going to make a really great impact in their lives. Yeah. And the fact that they're requesting it means that they're really feeling connected to your classroom. Yeah. <laughs> That's awesome. <laughs> no, it's, it's, it's big. Congratulations. You. Welcome. Um, so what are the things that you think your students would like more from um, this experience? Because, you know, I think one thing that's being lost is the students' voices yeah. and to hear what they want. I think policymakers and educators, they, they need their voices too, but mm -hmm. what do you think, what else do you think your students wish they could have in this type of remote learning experience? Um, well, I know a lot of them wish that we did Zoom more often, mm. but I'm trying why, to find Why a, don't you? Because well, of like I, I think as a team, we try to find a balance because there are certain parents, like I'm this type of parent. If mm -hmm. you make something available, I'm going to feel like my kid has to do it. Like, I'm going to feel like it's an obligation. Right. And I think we were trying to not make parents feel like so much pressure and overwhelmed because mm -hmm. there are multiple families in a house and some of them are sharing one device. So if you have a first grader, a third grader and a fifth grader, for exactly. example, I can't like hog up all the Zoom time for the day mm -hmm. because th those other teachers need to get on Zoom with their classes as well. Definitely. So as a, wow. as a school, we had like a schedule so that we could not overlap, I guess. Right. So that if your family has one laptop, all of the kids can have their allocated time to get on Zoom. Exactly. So that was our reasoning for not having a bunch of calls. But um, I think the kids want it. I think it's just not logistically feasible right. at the time. But I, I think that's one thing they would like. I know that like a lot of teachers are, are making deliveries to their students of supplies or I know one teacher did, that I'm friends with, she did a Donors Choose Project, which nice. is a website where you can basically make like a wish list of items that you want and then donors fund the project and then the items get delivered to your school. Nice. Well, since we are in um, this situation, Donors Choose has made a new type of project where the items can actually get delivered to the teacher's house. Nice. So a lot of teachers are doing those. And then I know a teacher who did one where she got like outside activities delivered to her students, like hula hoops and balls and, you know, like nice. badminton rackets, like things they could do outside. Um, Definitely. And then she's going to just deliver them to each student's house. So I, I think 
the students definitely like things like that. That's and great. I also know another teacher who works at my school who did like a pizza delivery during her Zoom call. So like <laughs> one of her students who was, you know, really active and submitting a lot of work, I guess, she had a pizza delivered to his house during the Zoom call. Now so that all one would have students to... Like, you know, what could happen from getting their work done. So I think teachers are trying to be creative and the kids are kind of craving those different experiences. You know, they can't physically be with the class or be with the teacher, but the surprise things that might come along. Yeah, that's a great idea. I love that. That's perfect. I mean, these are the stories that you don't hear. And I really appreciate you sharing insights because I think it's going to, not think, I know it's going to, we have a, a large part of our audience are educators. So yeah. this is going to motivate them to hear like, wait, there are these are some new ideas that we can implement. So that's really exciting. Yep. Thank you. You're welcome. That's great. I'm, I'm excited about it. I'm not even like teaching <laughs> <laughs> the class. Like, that's so good. Yeah. All right. Awesome. Um, on the administrative side, what are some things that you wish uh, could be improved maybe? Because um, it seems like a lot is going well, but there's always yeah. room for improvement, and it's not a negative. Yeah. Just like, and just in general, like, what do you think? What do you wish um, yeah. you guys could do moving forward? Especially since we know now that schools in Maryland will be closed for the rest of school. Yeah. Well, for the rest of this school year. I mean, I think, like you said, like a lot of things are going well, and then no one really predicted a situation of this caliber. Yeah, you to can. know how to prepare for it. One thing I know that. Like, at my school, we gave Chromebooks to kids that we felt like would return them, <laughs> would do the work, <laughs> right, and, right. you know, would not damage them. And I understand that because, you know, they're expensive. Yeah. And we want them back. But it would, I think it would have been kind of cool if before this even happened, there was some type of system in place among the parents and the staff that the devices were already, like, interchangeable from home yeah. to school. And the parents already knew how to use them. They already knew how to get on Google Classroom or whatever technology we were using in school so that Mm -hmm. it wasn't such a learning curve for parents once they got the devices at home. Because I think like some parents have the device at home, but they still don't know how to use it or they still don't know how to access the technology. So I think Mm -hmm. if we were kind of using it in both places beforehand, that... Mm -hmm this would have been better. And like, there are even websites that I know about now that I'm like, oh, I wish I would have been using this beforehand because then the kids will probably use it more now right. or they wouldn't have so much struggle with it. Exactly. Yeah. That's so, that's tricky because I was talking to another educated friend about a similar topic and, you know, I think we all heard the research. We all heard the projections, not of the virus, but like the need to infuse technology into yeah. the classroom and that, you know, jobs of the future will change and involve technology, but we all kind of thought, like, it was something that, like, we could, it was, like, in the future. We had time, yeah. Yeah, we thought we had time, and I think it's, um, it's okay, like, you can't change the past, but mm-hmm. I think that moving forward, it's, like, if we get bold new ideas, we need to act on them, and we need yeah. to, as educators, um, we need to say it to our administrators and to our other educators and to our parents so that they become realities because that way we won't have all these um, regrets about what we could have done. Um, but just try, you know, I think this is a great time for new and bold ideas because that's how we're going to make great. That's how you guys right now are making great things happen with the resources you have. Yeah. So that's really cool. I think one more thing that 
when sure. you were talking, I thought of is just like internet access too. Like I was gonna ask you about that. Yeah, yeah. I've read a few things about like just like how we have food deserts. We have like areas where there's no access yeah, to Wi Fi. And you know, mm-hmm. um I was kind of reading something that kind of said, is it like the is it the government's responsibility to make sure people have Wi Fi or is it like a school system's mm-hmm. responsibility? to make sure students have Wi-Fi or is that just up to the family or the parents? Right. So right. I think that's a debate. Of course. That, you know, people might have different feelings about. However. Now it will be, though, if, if learning, if public education is remote. Yeah. yeah if you like have a child. Public education then, is free. So you need internet ex- to access your ex- public education. Basically. Exactly. And I think that, you know, it will be. And yeah. it's, but you know, it's, it's so interesting, though, because I think, I'm grateful you brought that up because it puts a lot of things into question. I mean, there are talks um, years ago about, um, oh no, a universal income. Um, And I am not an expert on it and I will not act like I am. But from what I understand, it's just the idea that, you know, you have so many people that don't have enough. And if we had a universal income, it would ensure, just like the stimulus, these stimulus checks that have been put out, because there are not options when all these people are unemployed right now. Yeah. Um, what, how do they pay rent? How do they pay a mortgage? How do you pay for anything? And then food and water and right. electricity um, when the economy is shut down. And so I think that this moment is going to make us really question um, the things that we see as basic human rights. But also, of course, how do we make space for businesses to thrive? Um, or to even just be in existence. Right. Um, but I think there's the way. And I think technology is a way that a lot of commerce is actually going on. Um, and I don't have all the answers, but I think that, and I won't try to answer them in the, the short time that we have, yeah. but I appreciate what you said because I think that it's kind of clear that if a, if a family does not, just like, you know, if like free lunch, right? If you don't have enough money to um, afford lunch at school you will get a reduced lunch or free lunch based on your parents income right so i think the same kind of rule could apply for the internet since public education will require you to have the internet in order to learn right now yeah so i think it's feasible i agree yeah (laughs) but i've seen one thing i will say i've seen in denver well a, a district outside of denver i can't remember the name sheridan i think shared in Colorado um, early on in March, they created, well, not created, but they, they got school buses and they filled them with modems. Yeah. So that, yeah. Idea. I've seen them mm-hmm. do that with lunches too, like delivering lunches to different nice. neighborhoods uh, using the school bus. That's smart. They, they would have to pick the kids up anyway. Yeah. <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah. I mean, you know, it just makes you realize how much school is a second home to mm-hmm. so many whether they like it or not. And yeah. I think most do like it. It's, they realize it's the, it's more than just, um, I don't know. I don't want to say, I was going to say it's more than just a place of learning, but I think life is all about learning. Right. So it's not just like textbook, but the relationships, like what are the kids value? The dancing too, right? Like the movement, the sense of community. Yeah. I agree. Yeah. All right, so let's see, you've answered some of my questions already. Mm-hmm. Um, what do you think, yeah, I'll do this one. What do you think the most challenging task 
that cities need to take on to help education systems thrive? We just kind of hit on it a little bit. Yeah. Do you yeah. mean like if we live in this pandemic? Whatever you, way? whatever, yeah. Well, that's tricky. Well, let's say yes. Okay. Because no matter what, whether we reopen or not in the fall, um, there could be waves of this and we definitely will have to still use a mass situation for a while yeah. because there's no vaccine yet, right? I mean, kids can't go to school unless they get vaccines. And if right. they do or if they don't, there's trouble. So nonetheless, for the next at least maybe 10 to 18 months. Okay, we may, can you repeat if we, the question for me again? Yeah, sure. So what do you think cities could do right. to help education systems thrive in this new um the new normal new norm yeah um that's a very difficult question like it is I think it's so hard because everyone is so isolated at this point like I used to address my class at all 27 of them at one time right and Mm -hmm. now if I want to like make contact I have to call each individual like household like 27 calls or 27 texts so because everybody isn't on the zoom calls right like i have 27 kids i think i might average like 10 kids each zoom call and some kids are Mm. like it comes in and out like i might have seen one kid during a zoom call and never have seen them on a zoom call again wow it it, it's not consistent yeah and the city does have for us like a tracker where we log our contact with each family every day so like how did we make contact was it like via phone or text or email or during the zoom like so that it's easier to see okay i haven't talked to this kid in four days so like i need to make a phone call to figure out what's going on you know right so i think that's a good thing that they are kind of making sure that we are connected and a kid is not getting lost right basically Um, totally so I think that's one good start just to make sure that the connection stays there. Because if you don't talk to a kid for three months, it's kind of hard to like maintain the relationship, especially like when you're trying to say like, you didn't do your math. It's like, well, I haven't heard for three months. Like, you don't right, so, exactly. Yeah, and these, these bonds true. are important. Um, but like systematically, yeah. hmm, I think it's good that we can, I, I think there are like 18 locations still where they can come every day to get food. Um, that's I think great. that's important. Um, I think at those sites too, they still have like work packets. And I'm not saying work packets are like the ideal right. way to learn. It's something. But, you don't but have the internet. The parent can see like, I, okay, this is my guide. Like this is what you're supposed to learn this year. So I exactly. can, maybe if the parent's creative, they can, you know, you teach those skills in other ways, but at least they have a guide for like what the skill is. Totally. That you're supposed totally. to learn. So I think like even though people criticize the work packets, I think it's still beneficial to have something if you don't have internet or, or technology. Look, we use work packets. We turned yeah. out just fine. <laughs> yeah, we did it. But I know what you mean though. It's yeah. like we, we have um, to be creative about it. Other than what the city is already doing, I don't know. I would have to think a lot about Yeah, no, it's a big question. And how what you can, gave how can, you can really help kids when they're all in their own house like that's it's it's very tricky and especially without the internet yeah that that makes things or like you said a family that can't all use like each child if you don't have enough devices and you don't have a data plan like say you have all these devices but then you don't have a data plan that can actually um maintain all those people using it if you have wi-fi i only have a limited 
it's a they have a hot spot and it has a limited number or whatever, a limited amount mm-hmm. of dates, so it's, it runs out. Totally. Then and we'll then work. I have also I have another family, all they have is a landline. Like they don't even have a cell phone. So wow. it's not like you can watch a YouTube video no. on a landline. So it's just like I have to be as a teacher flexible with saying, like, okay, you're learning with the work packet because that's all you can do. You're gonna get on Zoom, like, or you are you know, this child likes to use this math website. So that's, that's how they are accessing math. Like mm-hmm. it's very, um, I don't know. You have to be flexible because yes. they, you cannot expect them all to be doing the same thing right now. Exactly. These are unprecedented times. Yeah. Well, I'm going to, I'm going to breathe into, I'm not used to not giving a follow-up response, but I think that I don't know. I I just, I feel inspired. And I also feel like this is a very, I'll use the word interesting. I try to stay away from like fear because I don't think it's very productive. Um, But I just, I'll stick with just uncertainty and knowing that at least great attempts are being made. Like, I think what you guys are doing is amazing. I think it's really admirable because you're doing the best that you can. Yeah. Um, you're truly blooming where you're planted, which is the whole reason that phrase me <laughs> through all this, because you have to, because yeah. the only other option is you sit there and cry all day, which is fine to cry. Um, but then what's after that? Right. Um, that, and you can go in and out. Um, so how as an educator have you been dealing with all this on the emotional side um, and how have you seen other educators like I'm sure that it's not easy um, and like how are you taking care of yourself too beyond your students um I'm I'm like an introvert like this is like (laughs) I I, I was gonna say this is gonna sound bad but I was gonna say this is like my dream true but it's not I mean no no so you can let's let's just put a disclaimer yeah this is about you and the individual yeah and let's say we lived in a per- like you can't you can't solve yeah every social issue so this is the world is all in good everybody has access like yeah. we know right. that you care about your students but now yeah. it's about you so yeah. if the world was perfect yeah, i don't mind i don't mind being at home mm-hmm. Me like, either. <laughs> i don't mind it um i've been out for like fresh air obviously like going on walks there's yeah. a like a park right near my house so same I have access to like nature or whatever yeah so I do leave sometimes but I mean I don't mind being at home um I think I'm fortunate in a lot of ways like obviously I'm still a teacher so I'm still employed paid I'm getting my needs are being met but I obviously understand that that is not the case for everybody so like of course I obviously do not want this situation to linger longer than it has to because there are people who need to get back to work or right. don't like being in the house or like you know crave <laughs> conversation with other people other than their mm-hmm. family so right I, I sympathize with those people so but for me personally it hasn't been like horrible emotionally there are days where I'm like okay now I feel bored mm-hmm. right. but I found things to do like I can't think of the last time that I read a book for pleasure that like had right. to do with work or school or you know whatever totally I think that's like a new hobby I'm like okay like I can just sit and read when I can find the time to do so or like watch tv shows that I like or you know Mm -hmm. relax relax do things that I 
have not had the time to do. It's kind of weird, but yeah, it hasn't yeah. it hasn't really been too bad for me emotionally. But I understand that's that that's not the case for everyone. Of and I course. understand like there are people who are literally like in the house all by themselves. And like even though sometimes to me I'm like, wow, like that sounds nice. <laughs> but for them it's totally but right. for them it might not feel that way. So, you know. Yeah. There are Everybody a variety has different of situations. Yeah. Totally. Well it's interesting because a lot of my work deals with self-discovery and self-reflection and so sorry about my dog I think there's somebody walking by <laughs> oh, I don't know if you can hear him barking but um it's it's hard like to say at first to people like yeah how can you sit with yourself and reflect and meditate and yeah. you know use this as uh, a time to really connect with yourself because it's like they're forced to do it now in some ways mm-hmm. in some way shape or form but um how do I say it's like a really healing process um yeah like even with little things like how people are like the big thing on social media is like the hair salon is closed the nail salon is closed but it makes me think like do we even need those things like do we even need a bra like no we don't (laughs) (laughs) it just made me think about things in a different way like yeah what what has stood out to you the most about what you keep going with that if you don't mind because I think it's important. I just mean like at one point in history there there were no flat irons, right? Or there mm-hmm. were no the things that we think we need. Like there was right. no nail polish, right? Yeah. So totally. it's just like what is wrong with your nails just being like like what they are? Yeah. And like I personally like I don't like I don't like long nails and it starts to bother me when my nails hit things. So like Right. There are some things, like, I need a nail clipper. Like, that would drive me crazy if I didn't have a nail clipper. But other than that, like... Yeah. I know what you mean. It it makes, you me see all the extras. Like, I wasn't a person who did who got my nails done anyway. Right. And I don't want to judge seem, like, judgmental if it was a part of, of self-care regimen prior right. to. But at the same token, it's just, like, it's not necessary. Like, it's right. not... Like, you are still beautiful with your own nails. Yeah. Yeah, like, it's a moment to reflect on your worth beyond the added things. And it's, I think, no, I I agree. Like, I'm I'm not saying this from a judgment away, and I can tell you're not either. But I think it's important, though, because we have to sit with it. Some people are, like, risking their lives still. Yeah. Going to get their hair done, getting their hair braided. And I I get it. Like, I had to do a lot of leaps and hurdles to really um accept myself yeah. new growth and all yeah but I was like you know I had to realize like why isn't that a good thing that my hair is growing out yeah like um it's healthy and strong let's go yeah. um and I think it's like especially around um African-American women and um women of color who might have certain we've we've been given a lot of ideas about what does it mean to be beautiful and yeah. I'm, I'm I'm keeping this conversation going because a large part of our audience are women of color yeah and um I think that it's important that we try to sit and really see like how we are beautiful without uh, the extras are nice. They're yeah. fine. Like that's creativity. I, I tell my own daughter, like um, a hairstyle, it's like art. Yeah. Right? It's like a design, but the curl texture, I mean the curl pattern and the texture of her hair is art too. And yeah. neither one is better than the other or not is about how healthy and strong it is. So like, Go out and get some. I saw your post. Go get some supplies and yeah. you know watch you if you have YouTube and yeah. get creative. But I think it is a time to like really start to value who you are. Yeah. Um, 
without like how are you defining yourself and I think it reminds me of I don't know if you remember like we used to have an assembly at Bremar about like beauty and like some woman would come and she would show pictures of how the ideal of beauty has evolved like through the years and how it used to be like obviously white women blonde blue eyes Mm -hmm. like straight hair like it it used to be a certain way and then all the images that you would see in in the media at the time like magazines were Mm -hmm. those images so then you started to aspire subconsciously to look that way even if you didn't realize it and I think which is the scary part I think it has evolved and for black women now it's like different things it might not be skinny it might be curvy right or you know whatever but I think um having no choice but to look the way you look Mm-hmm. has made made it just like okay like this is just how I look like exactly. yeah how my hair grows out of my head and like exactly why is that a problem it's not yeah it's not it can't be and I think if we don't take this opportunity to look real deep within and just out like look in the mirror and accept is a choice between suffering and bliss or something in between so yeah. I you know I hope um you know for our listeners, you can listen to the whole repertoire of our podcast here. A lot of them are self-discovery, self-love, and beauty. You can also go to the Bloom blog, um, just bloom.io. We have a lot, a lot, a lot of resources about how to do this. If you're like, most people who will be listening to this are teetering on the edge of wanting to let go of some of the extras, sometimes at least anyway. So if you want more resources, please check out the blog, uh, just bloom.io. Um, in this podcast, because every guest talks about it. It comes up every time. And I always want this podcast to be about professional development, education, students, but also just self-discovery. Because I think so often we separate the professional from the personal. Mm-hmm. And we bring in our whole selves to work. Yeah. And if we haven't worked out those things, um, or now work is... And kids will home. bring it up to you, too. Like, oh, of look, course at they will. look at your nails. Like, right. What's that? I don't know. They just ask questions and they notice. Like, so right, right. you have to be okay with what you look like because they you are going do. to bring it up to you. Totally. I remember when I was doing work in, um, my, for my dissertation, working with uh, Black girls that were in middle school in Baltimore City Public Schools. And it was really hard for me um, to wear my Afro when I had an Afro. It was like, I didn't that was just not the norm back then, 2010 and 2013. And I was really nervous about losing the rapport that I had built up with them mm-hmm. because they put so much value. And I, myself, I put so much value on wearing my weave. Like I had weaving all the time and nothing, there's nothing wrong with weaves. Like right. it's a great um, way to help your hair grow and get strong and a great way to design, you know, that you hair the way you want. But um, for me, it was a very expensive endeavor and, one that didn't leave me feeling really fulfilled and I felt like I was hiding myself all the time until I just couldn't anymore and not everybody feels that way but I would say it's good to investigate so that you don't when your kids uh or your like your students or your friends or your your partner props you up for looking that way but they can't (laughs) when you don't have that on you're like oh that's actually not what I look like right you need to check that (laughs) you need to check that because like you define yourself worth I mean, even things like I do, I would get my eyebrows waxed. Same here. And not yeah. all the time. Like, I wasn't on a schedule, but, like, it's something I would do. And then I'm just like, now I'm like, why? Like, Right, right. Yeah, I'm fine. Wait. I'm good. Yeah, we really, 
I think this is going to be the, the positive part of this is all the things we just talked about. I think yeah. like we really need to see what really matters and create relationships that we want. So on that, how, what are some things that have worked well for your family around creating, um, making life fun at home yeah. and actually connecting to your, your, your children yeah. and your partner in a way that is um, fulfilling and how do you work for the moments that are kind of challenging? Um, I think like one thing that's been beneficial because they are still receiving like schoolwork is just right. routine still. Mm-hmm. So we start at nine o'clock, which is not as early as we would have to get started if school were in like real session. So it's still exactly. kind of like a break. But I like to start at nine because like by noon, we're pretty much done in terms of their schoolwork. Mm-hmm. And I think it's like the optimal time to for them to focus for them personally right. it might not be for everybody but like of course um mariah is like very self-guided with her schoolwork so she will hold herself accountable um and stay on her own you know schedule and get it done and like a lot of times she gets up at like seven does the work and then when she has her first zoom call at nine she's done all of her independent pieces. wow so That's now awesome. she's just and they have like four Zoom calls a day. So now her only obligation is to like attend the Zoom calls, learn the new information, but she already did the independent piece. Like that's, that's awesome. what she chooses to do. Yeah, that's, she's a winner. Yeah, whereas little Robert is not that way. Right. And I have to like, I, um, I just get like a whiteboard and I write all the assignments, like I bullet point them mm-hmm. and he can pick which one he does in whatever order to give him right. some choice. And he cross, he gets to like cross it off to feel like, okay, like I'm done. You know, like. Yeah. Um, it's like a more of a checklist, a chore. Yeah. And then he, um, he's in first grade and I teach first grade, which I consider like a blessing because I know the content, like I know what it right. is to learn. So I can, totally. I can teach it to him. And, um, whereas Mariah's more self-guided, he's not, he needs like his hand held through it. Mm-hmm. But I think. I just think it helps them to have like a routine, a way that it, it happens every day and to, then to be done by a certain time and right. then have that choice of how he spends the rest of his day. Totally. Um, we have done things like, you know, on Fridays, getting them things like a Lego kit or, you know, totally. I don't know, a board game, just something to look forward to once you accomplished the things that you had to do for the week. Mm-hmm. Um, with Robert, he, prior to the pandemic, he received like occupational therapy once a week to help with his fine motor skills. Mm-hmm. So he still nice. does that virtually. Oh, once good. Um, and then like things like Legos are fun, but you're still working on your fine motor skills. So like he does things like that for fun. Um, they of course do the same things that typical kids do. Like they play um, Roblox. I don't know if you've heard of it, but it's like I have heard it's of like it. Minecraft. A right. Little. They play thing. They play that. Um, with their friends from school like they have um, usernames I guess and their friends oh, great. know their username they, like play it virtually that's helpful yeah um, they go outside they go on walk Mariah downloaded like a fitness app so she like tracks her steps still nice. um, at her school they have like a walking and running club that she used to go to before school so awesome. she still is able to like walk and then track her time and tell her teacher. So she got 
recently i think it was she's walked 50 miles so far this school year wow and it's not like like walking and running club is only 15 minutes each morning so to think that she's walked 50 miles it's not not a lot of time that she was walking right but look at the the, like keeping up being consistent what you can do like keeping up her routine she still has like violin lesson virtually so a lot of things things, haven't changed that much yeah like a lot of the things they were doing they still do Mm-hmm. um there's been like disappointment like they was she was um in the greek myth play like that's a tradition like at Bramar, right. like, you know, everything's tradition so every third grade class does a greek myth play right and they but her class obviously was not able to do this so like that was a disappointment because they had practice they had their costume i think they even had dress rehearsal and the day that school closed was the day of the greek myth play so yeah. they didn't do it and then like her dance um recital was canceled so like there have been disappointments Jim right. Girl was canceled, but you know, the bazaar was canceled. Yes. Um, but I think like they're okay. They would rather be at school. Robert says he really misses the monkey bars. So like maybe mm-hmm. people try to find some alternative. Yeah. It's always suggested that we buy our own playground yeah, and make know. it in the backyard. <laughs> I said, well, um, maybe if I save up. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I think overall, like they're in good spirits. Right. Yes. How have you how have you helped to sustain that? What maybe what a suggestion or two you have about mm-hmm. how to? Because I think I've seen maybe more with teenagers actually. I've seen more teens still. It's not really um, clicking. Like they not that it's not clicking, and I don't mean to be insensitive. I have a lot yeah. of teen audience members, but that they are really struggling with not being with their peers yeah and the parents feel utterly confused about what to say and for me because like you said things haven't changed that that much it hasn't been hard I've just explained to her the severity of the virus and how it's better to be alive and use uh social networking and video chat to connect so I know what what strategies strategies I I, I can definitely see how it's harder for a teenager to be home with their parents all day Mm -hmm. yeah kids like our age range they still like parents are like superheroes right but like once you're a teenager you really are into your friends and you know whoever you hang out with I can see and understand how for teenagers this is not fun no (laughs) and also like some of them are in high school and they're seniors they're missing prom and things that they have really looked forward to um and i just think back like what like the school that we went to is very big on tradition so it's there were things that you knew okay when i go to 10th when i get in 10th grade i'm gonna go to my ring dance like exactly or you know i'm gonna um what's it like ring the bell with my classmate at this you know special day i think it's hard if you were like really looking forward to something and it's not going to happen yeah um i guess you just have to keep in perspective like do i want to be alive or do i want to go to prom like you know literally yeah in in the future i can do that yeah like there will probably be some opportunities Mm -hmm. to recreate some of those lost moments i'm sure a lot of schools will be creative and allow things to happen when the time is right but yeah you have to keep perspective that like when you're 30 years old, prom is a distant memory, but I hardly remember it, so. Totally. No, that's, that important. yeah, it wasn't, it wasn't. Yeah. There's so many more memories to make, and 
yeah, I think we all just have to get super creative and stay grounded and look, like you said, at the big picture. I think that's very helpful. Yeah. So my last question for you um, is, I mean, you kind of just answered it. Mm-hmm. Um, I guess I'll switch it because okay. you really just kind of an- answered it. But what what's your biggest wish for the world um, or your students or just anything that you wish, like if you had a, you know, if you were a genie, you can make it a wish come true. Yeah. What would you wish to to change um, over the next two years, um, even if we're remote learning? What what would you hope to happen? I um I just would wish that everybody could, through the experience, kind of develop a positive mindset and a positive like sense of self, yeah. and feel some sense of purpose in it all like not take the opportunity for granted because you know I just I tend to believe that everything happens for a reason like Same. we we all needed the space to think and, and be still <laughs> Sorry, and it's okay um so I just I think I just will hope that everyone takes advantage of the experience in like an adult world in terms of the children um I guess I will hope that my students and you know all kids just keep learning and they don't limit learning to being something that has to happen in a school building yeah definitely. And a lot of things like my son he's very he has a way with words so he will try to say like if i say it's time to do this you know it's time to sit down and do your social studies he's like well i'm already learning social studies because i'm watching right. whatever he's watching and right. he's, like, he's learning from it anyway so why does he have to learn in the way that someone else dictates for him to learn so right um i hope that we can all be as uh creative as he is in our way that we <laughs> so no, definitely because because he has some valid points you yeah know, that there is no traditional i mean there is a traditional way of learning but yeah. maybe we can think outside the box and still find some ways to hit hit some benchmarks about the things we ask and we use it all the time um he had like YouTube videos that may yeah. be about like, a certain topic. Like and... I don't know if you're familiar with the bright side on YouTube. Yes. Yeah, like, he will That's watch such the a bright great... side for eight hours yes. straight if totally. I let him. Same let him. with Zoe. Same. So um it's it is it, you are learning. Yeah, you are. And I think if parents can engage in um even moments where a parent may have to work, um one tool I've used if I really have to do some work and sit next to her while she's watching it is have her make sure that she's um trying to remember at least three things that stood out to her the most um so that we can have a discussion about it after the video is over so that she knows like she's accountable for not just like watching it but actually taking information and seeing what she thinks about it and i think that that's it's a great way she ends up teaching me things and then she feels excited about that so i think um, using different tools. YouTube is a great resource. Um, just even just being so specific with the Google searches. Um, I think there's a lot that we can learn and make it really fun. Um, yeah. So I just want to, I was just going to add oh, go ahead. That, yeah. like, with YouTube, I think, and just in general, like a lot of parents could use this time to figure out like what your kid likes, like, yeah I'm just talking about Robert like he really likes science like that is mm-hmm. what he likes and learning about animals so if you are busy and you have to do your work like right. you can turn on Net Geo or totally. whatever science um resources are on YouTube like you said mm-hmm. and they're learning and you know they don't have to do that all day but I'm just saying right. 
we can make it fun for them. Yes. And make it oriented in the way that they feel. Right. Because like they aren't really able to do that during school. And I think that I really appreciate you bringing that up because I think the trend is not just trend in some silly way, but we're entering an age where it will be important for you to know what you want to do, know what you love and be able to have the skills to back it up. And this is a great time for us to practice that because in school, you don't always have that luxury. Right. Um, so I, I completely agree with you. Let, let them be little college students already. Yeah. Because like, the I, world's going to need it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And how helpful would it have been for all of us if we would have figured that out ahead of time? Yeah. You know, like we would have, I mean, not just you can't change, but right. I think self-directed learning is a really important skill that um, is often undervalued. And I hope that schools can take it on um, yeah. to really incorporate it as we go forward. I agree. Well, Ashley, thank you so, so much. Um, we will leave links to places. Uh, where can uh, the audience connect with you? Um, on Twitter is where I kind of do most of my teaching talk, I guess. Definitely. So on Twitter, I'm at Mrs. Douglas 6. It's at M-R-S-D-O-U-G-L-A-S 6. Perfect. Also, I always usually have a Donors Choose project up. Mm-hmm. Um So I have one up now for my students to um, start journaling over this time while we're away from school. So I have just items on there that they could use during journaling, pencils, a journal, um, markers, crayons, color pencils. So you could find me there at donorschoose.org slash Mrs. Douglas 6 if anyone's interested in donating to that project. Definitely. And we'll be sure to leave the link so people can easily donate. Um, I will say Ashley has been doing this for a long time, years. So this is nothing new. She's always advocated for her students, which is why I needed to have her on. Oh, one more thing I forgot. Yes. So I didn't mention also I'm a part of a teaching fellowship. And the original purpose of our fellowship was to find problems that were just happening in the academic world and, you know, um, work towards our own solutions. Yeah, you know, like problems we are passionate about as an individual. Now the uh, fellowship has evolved because of our situation that we're in now. So our first project was learning in a box. So we put together a list of items that we felt like our kids could benefit from if they didn't have technology. Mm. We put together like a menu of ideas. Like you, this is what you can do with the play-doh. This is what you can do with the whatever the item was. And through funding, we were able to deliver a box to each student um, in our class. So there are 10 people in the fellowship. So all 10 of those teachers got boxes for each of their students. That's beautiful. So now the project has expanded and we're trying to get donations for every kid in Baltimore City, age pre-K through two to get a box. Um, I think we're pretty much close to that goal. I'll find that out later on today, but I think we're pretty much close to that goal, but I'll give Stephanie the link to that. Yes, um, please do. Information as well. And what's the name of the fellowship? It's the Improving Education Fellowship. Okay. Um, so, yeah, I think in the future we will be maybe getting back on track with our own personal um, research into whatever problem we're passionate about. But at the moment right now, because of the pandemic, our shift, you know, we've kind of shifted focus to helping kids, totally. you know, with distance learning. Definitely. What's your passion project? So my passion project was um, helping parents with kids age birth to five to know what to do with their kids at home prior to sending them off to school. 
Um, I think a lot of people have the misconception, like when kids get to kindergarten, they all on the same playing field, like it's a level playing field, everyone's at the same place and has the same, I, I don't want to use the word potential, but like potential like resources. For, yeah, for lack of a better word, like they yeah. all start at the same point, all have the potential to get to the same point. Of and course. I think a lot of people don't realize that people, that students enter kindergarten with deficits already because mm -hmm. of whatever was was or was not happening at home. Right. So I want to kind of research ways to access parents um, at birth with the resources that they need to help their kids leading up to kindergarten, basically. Yes, which is foundational and crucial and so important like yeah. and that's why we had you on <laughs> because you know no really because I, I see your work is so important and I think that that's something that could solve a lot of the challenges that we face today as a society um, and that's something that is even across income yeah people doubt what children can do from birth to five and it's um I think it's a great area where we can all learn and yeah. grow there because we can change the trajectory of our, literally our human race um, right. when we invest heavily in birth to five years old. Um, I can't wait to see, I hope that you can create a YouTube channel about that right now and <laughs> we can start your work right now. Um, I'll just throw that out there because I would like to see it and I think a lot of people would. And um, I know that you're going to do great things moving forward. We'll have you back on the podcast once you start that YouTube channel <laughs> and you can tell us more about that extensively. Yeah. Um, but thank you so much for all that you do. Thank you and your team for all you do. And um, it just, it's, I'm always excited to see the things you're doing in the world because so many people have benefited. So thanks for changing their lives. Like my teachers changed my life. Um, and if I am any example, and I say that humbly and confidently, is that the power of a teacher, like, a teacher changed my life and I know you're doing the same for other kids right now so thank you for of course so thank you for being on the blooming as a habit podcast and to the audience please you guys every second of every day we get a choice about what we choose to learn choose to do how do we want to change our lives and get help when you don't feel like you can do it on your own um, and I hope that these these talks these conversations are resources for you to bloom into the person you want to be so thanks and have a great day and stay tuned for the next blooming as a habit podcast coming up Thank you. Bye, Ashley. Thank you. Bye, Ashley. Thank you.